a sustainable fashion supporter, welcome to Recloseted Radio, a podcast dedicated to fashion sustainability and equipping you with the knowledge to do better in the world. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and I promise to support you on this journey to right the harmful fashion industry. You ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back. In today's episode, I'm really excited because I'm joined by Karen Story, a senior project engineer here at Metro Vancouver. She's a local crusader, and I've actually heard her speak two times now, once at apparel camp last fall and recently at a local talks event in Vancouver. She's huge in town for all things waste and fashion management, and so I'm really excited to sit down with her and know that she'll be able to shed a lot of wisdom with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. To start off with, can you walk us through your background? Like most people that end up in waste reduction, um, it wasn't a clear path. I went to school for civil engineering, and I worked in construction building the Canada Line. Oh, very cool. (laughs) So that was a very different career path. Yeah. But I seem to still like jobs that are, I guess, a little messy because construction's a little dirty, and now I'm into garbage, so that's, (laughs) I guess, consistent. Yeah. But I just got really fascinated about the fact that as a society, we kind of throw out a lot of stuff. We throw out almost a million tons of garbage per year in the region. And it's really fascinating to me, at least, to figure out, okay, what are people throwing out? Why are they throwing it out? What are alternatives to doing that? And, you know, what are the programs and policies we can put in to change that? So because I work for Metro Vancouver, which is the regional government. And so our role is primarily to responsibly manage waste, but also to look at programs and policies that are going to reduce stuff going to the landfill in the first place. Wow. And to put it into perspective, can you tell people what a million tons looks like? Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. So... Let me pull out my calculator and do a bit of math because the shipping containers that came back to us from the Philippines was 1,500 tons. Wow. So, I don't know, something like 40,000 shipping containers a year. Wow. But I'll double check that math and get back to you. Yeah. Wow, make sure that's, that's correct. And I know our Canada Line Skytrain hasn't been around for that long. So, how long have you been in your role now? Yeah, so I basically started at Metro Vancouver, and it's easy to remember because it was right around the time that there was the Olympics. Mm. And I didn't start in waste. I started in water. We had the new water treatment plant up at the Seymour Cap facility, and so that was extremely exciting when I started. But I just kept being like, oh, water is interesting and important, but if you reduce garbage, then you reduce all the water that's being used to make the products. And if you reduce garbage, you reduce all the greenhouse gases that's used to make the products. Because especially with things like textiles, Mm -hmm. if you start looking into what goes into making these things, it can become, well, quite frankly, very depressing. But then also very motivating because you're like, okay, well, this is a problem that really needs to be solved. Yeah, totally. And on that note, can you overview what your day-to-day looks like or what your role is at Metro Vancouver? On a day-to-day basis, like today, I spent most of my day reviewing a report on how many single-use items are in the waste because we have a new program we're looking at uh, how many cups, takeout containers, straws, utensils, and retail bags people are throwing out annually. So it's 1.1 billion a year. I was just going to say, I don't want to know. (laughs) 
1.1 billion a year, so another wow. depressing number. But so my role is to work within consultants to get that kind of information and then inform our elected officials through courts to our committees and to our board to let them know what's going on and also to work with my team and senior management to come up with approaches in order to tackle those items. Hopefully reduce them in the first place or at least at minimum increase the number of people that are putting, say, coffee cups in your blue box because they go there, by the way. Wow, that's crazy to hear. And on that note, what is the goal of your department at Metro Vancouver? Yes, so our group, There's about 40 of us in solid waste at Metro Vancouver and about 30 people work on the operation side and that's kind of managing the transfer stations that do the responsible disposal. So making sure that waste is managed properly in the region and also making sure those facilities have places that people can recycle. A lot of our facilities actually have donation bins for textiles. We try to do reuse and recycling to the extent we can at our facilities. And then a smaller team of about 10 of us work on planning for new facilities and also work on looking at these programs and policies to reduce waste. And that's part of our board strategic plan priorities as well as our integrated solid waste and resource management plan for the region, which is a mouthful, but is basically our team's guiding document as to what we do. Yeah, that's great that your team has a guiding document. And on that note, could you share what your department's, let's say, one-year, three-year, five-year, or 10-year goals are? The reason I haven't, I've been evading that question <laughs> is because our, our plan is about 10 years old now. And so we've already set aside some budget to renew it. And so we do have goals to reduce waste and to divert 75% of waste by 2020. Wow. But that's next year, and we're at, I think it's 63 or 64%, I can't remember. So we're about 10% away. And we've also got away from that goal. We're not really looking at as much at like how much we're diverting for, from landfill, because what we're measuring is constantly changing. You know, we went from the box of detergent with powder, if some of you remember that, or you can ask their parents about that. And then we went to these liquid jugs Mm. and then we went to these Tide Pods and now I've seen these things that are like papers for laundry. So the products are constantly changing. So we're Mm. not measuring diversion as much as how much people are throwing out. So disposal per capita. And we report that to the province actually. And compared to other regions, Metro Vancouverites are doing quite well. Our main competition is the district of Nanaimo. Oh, okay. But um, <laughs> we have a large population and a lot of yeah. industri- uh, commercial and institutional waste. So yeah. I think for our mix of businesses and, and for the number of people we have, we're doing quite well compared to other places in BC and, and compared to other places in Canada. I would also love to learn more about Canada as a whole. Do you know a lot about waste management when it comes to the whole country? Are there problems unique to each province? I I would imagine there are. If you could just give us an overview of how Canada is doing in general, that would be really helpful. One thing that's uniting Canada right now is the single-use plastics. It's not a large portion of the waste stream in Canada, but it's definitely top of mind for people in terms of the impacts it has on the environment, the persistence in environment and the impact to the fish. 
The stat that we're going to have more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050 is, is pretty alarming for a lot of folks. But in terms of programs and policies, I know different people working on these programs from across Canada, and there are some real leaders in other areas of Canada, but we're doing quite well. Like Our BC program with the Recycle BC Blue Box has helped us keep recycling when other communities across Canada are struggling mm. because they don't have an industry program for recycling. It's all done by local governments, and the local governments don't have the same access to markets that the industries found. And also our contamination rates, it's, it's a lot attributed to our residents. So our contamination rates in our recycling are quite low compared to the rest of Canada, at least in the lower mainland. And so we've been really successful that way. I think we probably helped educate to some degree, but also just our residents taking that on and participating and making sure that they're recycling right. Yeah, that's great. And I'm curious, what do you think some of the biggest problems or challenges are facing Metro Vancouver from a waste management perspective? I know there's probably a bunch, but maybe if you could list the top, let's say three. Yeah, I, I think the challenges kind of are the same. It's trying to figure out how to collaborate with others in order to move towards this big idea of a circular economy. So we're all trying to go from this paradigm shift of taking stuff, making stuff, and then throwing it away to this idea that, oh, we should design things so that they can be reused multiple times, that they can be repaired multiple times, that they can be easily recycled. Because some of the things we're recycling right now are actually very expensive or very technically difficult to recycle, and so that doesn't really work in the long term. Those are some big challenges we're facing moving forward. And the good news is people are starting to talk about it. So people are starting to be more aware of the need to kind of shift towards these new ideas. But I think we're not there yet. We're not to the phase where we're kind of implementing these things broadly across Canada. Yeah, definitely. Also, I was hoping you could shed some light on where our garbage goes after we put it in the trash can, because a lot of consumers, I think, aimlessly throw things away, and it's a bit of this out of sight, out of mind, so... Where does it go? Yeah. Yeah, so in our region, when you throw something away, it's either picked up by your city, which is most common, and it's usually picked up every second week, and we do that to encourage people to use their green bin and their recycling bins instead of their garbage and also to save um, people money because the less times the trucks go by, the less it costs to pick up. So once it's picked up at your curb, then it goes usually to a transfer station, which are the facilities that Metro Vancouver runs. And it's collected, compacted and squished and put into a special truck. And then that truck either drives to the local landfill in Delta, the waste to energy facility in Burnaby, where it creates energy for 40,000 homes, wow. which is pretty cool. Or if we run out of space in those facilities, it goes across the border to the U.S., uh, where we have our contingency disposal landfill. Got it. And can you overview what that waste energy facility looks like? The amazing thing about the waste energy facility in Burnaby is it's been there for a long time, and very few people realize it's there or mm -hmm. what it's doing. And so it's a relatively simple facility. 
Waist goes into a pit, and then there's these really cool grappling hooks. It kind of looks like when you try to get a teddy bear out of one of those machines and drop <laughs> it, and you can never do it. But our operators at the Waste Energy Facility are very good at doing that. So they grab the waste, and then they put it into a hopper, and then there's the, I guess, kind of like furnaces that are fed by the waste to create energy and that energy does a couple things one of the things it does is it feeds a steam turbine and the steam turbine then makes energy and is sold to the bc hydro grid so it makes energies for the local community and then the other thing that we're trying to do with it is to do local heating because it's a much more efficient thing to do with that kind of energy we're working on it and it's a facility that's been operating for tens of years maybe 50 years and we just keep upgrading it and keeping it running and it's it's pretty crazy because I think most people don't even know it's there. It's a pretty small facility and you can't see a lot of smoke or anything coming out of the top. What comes out the top after we scrub all of the air is mostly just steam. And if you're really curious about waste to energy, because I know it's a popular topic for some, you can even go online and we have an online dashboard to let you know what's happening at the facility. Okay, so getting into textile waste, let's say someone accidentally, and I'm doing air quotes, but let's say they accidentally or not on purpose, but a garment ends up in our garbage, what happens to it? If the textiles go in the garbage, it goes to those places I just described. There's no different process. There's no magic like pulling stuff out of the garbage. It's just, if it goes in the garbage, it's actually then unsafe in most cases. It's a health and safety hazard to pull that out. I mean, we sort through the garbage once a year to see what's in it. And everyone has to wear like these big masks and these Tyvek suits and these anti-stabbing gloves because, you know, it's it's not a nice idea to be sorting through garbage. Yeah. And what percentage would you say is textiles? So... I haven't run the numbers for 2018 because we just posted that on our website this month. But in 2016, it was about 20,000 tons. Wow. So that is 2.4% of our waste is clothing. And actually, in total, the textiles is 5%, so 40,000 tons. But just the clothing, the apparel waste is about 2.5%. So hopefully in 2018, we'll see that we're making a dent. But yeah. but. We just started our campaign to reduce clothing waste. It usually takes a while for those numbers to change. Got it. And can you tell us a little bit more about that campaign? It's really exciting. We did a lot of research into what happens to apparel that doesn't go to disposal, that is, for instance, donated in the region. And it was just one of those things where we're like, okay, so many people are throwing things out. And there's this system already that they could be using. Mm -hmm. But even better than that, we could have them think about, instead of just donating their clothes, to look at ways to reduce the number of clothes that they're consuming, because that's the most effective way to reduce waste, to repair their clothes. So we have a bunch of videos on our website about how to do repairs. You know, even just removing stains. I've been going on there every time I get a stain and looking up how to get it out. And it's yeah. it's been great because, to be honest, I don't have the best knowledge. And I'm sure your listeners are similar. We kind of lost that knowledge about how to remove stains in our clothes. And so that's great. I can go on to the website, uh, clothesaren'tgarbage.ca, okay. 
and get tips on how to reduce my clothing waste. And I think the part of that campaign that people are most interested in is what happens to their clothes. Because mm-hmm. they put them in the donation box and similar to them putting them in the garbage, like they don't necessarily know what happens after. It was really interesting because people buy so many clothes and then they do a really good job by donating them to the charities, which is great, and that's exactly what you should do. However, because we buy so many clothes, a lot of those clothes can't be sold locally. So the first stop is usually the thrift stores where they sell, say, 20 to 25% of those clothes. But beyond that, what they can't sell, they go to these facilities called sorter graders. And hopefully you can link to the website Mm -hmm. video of a sorter grader on our Metro Vancouver pages. And when it goes there, they sort into all these different categories, whether it's white cricket pants or Hawaiian shirts or, you know, whatever specific thing their markets are looking for. And then they ship 50% of the material to those types of markets for global reuse. And then 20% of it would be like cotton rags. So they can take the cotton t-shirts and make them into wiper rags for the cleaning industry. All those painter rags that you see in the stores, those are from that industry. And then also there's 20% that goes to what's called non-wovens, which is automobile insulation, emergency blankets. Just imagine this process of like tearing up whatever clothing they get and making it into kind of a felt type material and then different applications for that. And then, of course, there's some things that end up in, in garbage, but it was really surprising for people, I think, to hear that. I mean, I was unsure before how it worked, and I think some of us thought that their clothes were going to somebody in need, just kind of in our community. That does happen, but because there's such a huge volume of clothes, most of it going to other markets eventually. And on that note, when it does go to other markets, do you have any insight into if they actually use it or does it end up in their landfills? Because when I hear that, that's just something I'm concerned about. And I got a lot of questions from my audience and my listeners as well. So wondering if you have any knowledge on that. Yeah, it's uh, not the easiest to find yeah. sources for that. There's a report out of the Nordic Circle that I refer to often. Basically, they've done an analysis, like, should we be sending our clothes overseas? And their analysis is, yes, like, if we didn't send them to those global reuse markets, those global reuse markets would be also buying new clothes, Mm. which would be problematic. And in terms of, you know, are they sending them things that are are garbage? The good news is that a lot of the stuff in the lower mainland goes to facilities that do all the sorting locally. So, you know, they they find markets for, if you add up all the categories I said before, it's 50 plus 20 plus 20. So 90% of the stuff is prepared for markets. And then they responsibly dispose of that remaining 10% in North America. So that's one of the good things that happens in our regions. There are situations where the clothes are just shipped overseas before they're sorted. And in that case, we could be sending some stuff that's not sellable, but because most of the clothes in our region are sent and sorted locally, most of the stuff that arrives in the market is going to be stuff they can use. And what we hear from the sorter graders from their perspective is they wouldn't have customers if they were sending them stuff they couldn't use. I guess it's kind of like what's happening with the plastics right now. You know, if you start sending countries 
materials that are supposed to be plastics and it's actually diapers and garbage, then they're going to want to send it back or they're going to stop doing business with you. So I know there's a lot of concerns about that and I haven't found anything to tell me that it's not the best possible option at this time. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good and helpful overview. And so for the average consumer, do you still recommend dropping off unwanted garments at a charity shop or donation center then? Because I don't think they can directly go to the sorter graders, right? No, the sorter graders are facilities that deal with like bailed clothing. So for an individual to come with a small bag, they'd just be like, some of them them do have clothing bins. Okay. They usually partner with charities, local organizations. So they'll give some money to a local charity that has their name on the bin and then they'll pick that material up directly. Most of the bins in the region are operated by organizations who collect the material, sell it to larger thrift stores. And then the larger thrift stores put some of the stuff on the racks locally. And then they sell whatever they can't use to the sorter graders. And, and to be honest, the small thrift stores do the same. So if you donate something to a small thrift store and they can't use it, we've facilitated a bunch of connections between the small thrift stores and the sorter graders. So most of that material is now also going to the sorter graders, which is great. And just to clarify, majority of the charity shops and donation centers in Vancouver do work with the sorter graders? I mean, just go to the bin that's most convenient for you or pick the charity that you prefer to support. And then from there, it all basically ends up in the same place. Okay. And there's a diagram on our website on uh, what happens to my donations on the Think Thrice About Your Clothes campaign. And so you can go to... Just search, think thrice about your clothes, and you should hopefully be able to find the what happens to my donations page, which will explain that graphically, which might be better than <laughs> than hearing me explain it. No, this is great. I'll have it linked in the show notes for sure. And speaking of the Think Thrice campaign, do you want to overview quickly what that is? Yeah, so the Think Thrice campaign is great because it allows people to learn more about donation, which is really important, but it also allows people to learn about what they can do in front of donating clothes. Because everyone benefits when you're looking for quality, durable clothes Mm -hmm. that can be worn more times. And and to be honest, because less than 1% of clothing is recycled into new clothing, the best chance we have at having a really sustainable closet at this point is to make sure we have clothes that can be worn as many times as possible or get access to clothes in a way where being used as many times as possible so that might be like renting something that you would only wear once instead of buying it or if you're going to wear something try to find a friend or someone locally that will use it as well Mm -hmm. because it's great to donate everything and support the charities but I think what's really needed is a bit of a, a rethink about what we're buying in the first place I saw one website that talked about you know, before you buy something, would you wear it more than 30 times might be a question you ask yourself. And it seems like a crazy question to ask. But you know, the way that our consumer habits has changed in fast fashion, like that might be a question that you might answer no to. Mm -hmm. And something I always talk about with my audience is cost per wear, because some people might be, you know, put off by a high price of a garment. But if you think about how many times you're going to wear it, the cost per wear might actually be okay. Yeah, 
we say on our website, like it's not necessarily about buying more expensive items yeah. because sometimes more expensive doesn't mean more durable. Mm-hmm. It's just looking for the quality of the stitching to make sure that it's well made and not going to fall apart. Looking at the quality of the garment and just making sure something that's going to be substantive is going to last a long time. And those tips are are all on our website as well under the reduce tab. Yeah, for sure. I will link it in the show notes. And for the average consumer, what do you think they can do to help mitigate this fashion and waste management problem? Probably the easiest thing for consumers to do at this point is to look at buying used clothes. Mm -hmm. Because we have all these folks donating clothes, but then if we're not buying the clothes locally, then we're not going to take advantage of that opportunity to increase local reuse. And the best part about buying used is it can be super fun and it also can save you money. Because there's some pretty crazy stats, like if you go to Stats Canada, people spend about $1,500 a year on apparel. And then you look at this other report from this moving company in Germany, and they suggest that Canadians wear less than 70% of the clothing in their closets. Mm -hmm. So we're buying all this stuff, spending $1,500 a year, and we're not necessarily wearing it. So there's opportunities to kind of look at your closet a bit differently and think, okay, do I really need that? Because that's one way consumers can save money. And also like, oh, do I need to buy that new? Or can I hop on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever you prefer to use and see if I can find it there first, save some money that way. Yes, love it. Those are some great tips. And I'm curious, are you working on any cool projects right now that you can share with us? You mean with respect to clothing? Yeah, or in general. Right now, my focus is primarily on single-use items. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not necessarily working on it, but one thing I'm hoping will happen, because it happens in other places, is a cup share program. Mm, yeah. So there's places like in Germany, they have this company named Recup, and you can show up at your coffee shop and they'll have a reusable coffee cup there and you just pay a deposit and then drop it off and get your deposit back. So it's kind of like car share, but it's cup share. Yeah, I Because that. it's really depressing to me how many single-use items I see going to disposal every year. Yeah. So I thought things like that that make it easier for the consumers and it's probably not something metro vancouver would implement but i just kind of like that idea i think that really encompasses the the essence of how you look at a circular solution for a product opposed to like what we have now yeah totally and on that note one of my last questions is what do you think vancouverites can do to support and follow along what metro vancouver is doing Definitely find your local blogger or podcaster that can give you tips that work for you. Go to our website, mm-hmm. clothesaren'tgarbage.ca, and kind of keep checking back. It's our first year, so we're going to be improving. And one of the exciting parts that I haven't talked about yet yeah. is we have a community part. So you can add your tips for what you've learned mm-hmm. in terms of how to reduce clothing waste. And also you can find out about events. There's some really great organizations locally like Framework Mm -hmm. and they put on repair events. We use them for our videos because they know how to repair things and that's a bit of a lost art. 
And also, if you're into making things, you can make things out of your clothes. Or if you want to make your own clothing, fabcycle.shop, you can buy textiles that was like going to garbage. Or you can go to our social fabrics and you can just start, you know, visiting these places, the consignment stores, the thrift stores, check them out. And then from there, see what works for you in terms of rethinking your closet. Awesome. And last but not least, do you have any words of advice or tips that you wanted to share with the listeners? For me, because I try to walk the talk, and it's, it's kind of like trying to stay on a diet plan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're going to have some bad days where we just needed a shirt and we bought whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you, for the most part, try to stick with the idea of reduce, repair, reuse your clothes, then you're going to be successful and, and make a dent. And the more people that participate and the more of your friends you get on board, the more of a difference we're going to make. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for sitting down with us today and answering my questions. I certainly learned a lot, and I wanted to say huge props to you and your department at Metro Vancouver for doing all of the work that you do. And same to you. Uh, Getting the message out is is so important, so thank you for having us. Of course, yeah. Awesome. If you want to help us spread fashion sustainability and recruit more members to join our recloseted movement, make sure you leave us a rating and review that really helps us. And take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and post it to your Instagram stories and tag us at recloseted. That helps us spread the word and it's also really cool seeing you guys listen to our episode. I hope you have an amazing week and remember, we are all in this together and together we will write the harmful fashion industry.